0: Hey, everybody, this is Rave Telsch, and this is episode 45 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in depth look at a much beloved movie selected specifically by our guest that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. We are back, and we are back for good. Got enough guests lined up for the future, and by the end of this week, enough recordings to last several weeks with plenty more on the horizon. So, uh, for those. Interested in a little bit of behind the scenes, I ended up losing a lot of guests I had booked from earlier in the year just from lack of communication because my life was so chaotic. And that's totally my fault. I put that on me. I have no ill will towards any of them, and hopefully some of them will reappear and come back on the show. But uh, I got a whole new slate of guests lined up due to some work that I put in in the last week and really excited about some of the upcoming movies we've got. Uh, including this week's. So this week kind of kicks off a couple of weeks of 80s, 90s era action flicks, uh, which really kind of fit into the mold of the show. Movies you probably have not seen and yet might want to check out. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And then we've got some other movies on the horizon, even some spooky movies that if everything times out, well, I'll be able to play in October for a little bit of spookiness for Halloween. So this week we start kind of this kick, as I said, of action flicks with a movie called I Come in Peace, also known as Dark Angel from 1990. This is a Dolph Lundgren flick. Uh, not a whole lot of those out there are there. And this one comes to us from Robert Solomon, who is the host of the This Uncanny Earth podcast podcast and this is a, a phenomenal movie that fits kind of the mold of this show very well uh, and I have an interesting experience when I watched this movie that I talk about in the podcast so I don't want to give too much away about it here but this was a unique experience for me and I think we had a really great conversation talking about it really excited for you to hear it so we're just going to jump into it now so here we go with 1990s I come in peace with our guest Robert Solomon. You know, this is another one of those situations where I don't really know anything about my guests. So tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My name is Robert Solomon, as I stated before. And um, I actually own a, or host a podcast titled This Uncanny Earth. And the show itself is about all the things paranormal, supernatural, all the lost civilizations, all the, the, the amazing things and uncanny things on our planet that we might not know about or might not discuss as much.
0: Gotcha. Well, then this movie kind of fits in that same paradigm, doesn't (laughs) it? (laughs) Yes, sir. It sure does. Yes, sir. It sure does. So what is your favorite uncanny story? I guess is the best way. What, what, what story is your favorite that you've covered so far, or maybe that you haven't gotten to yet.
1: So um, next week's episode is going to be lost civilizations. And I'm really into that, but uh, I think with me, Personally, it probably has been Cursed Objects um, and Relics and things like that, which was, I want to say, like a few months back episode. Uh, Between that and when we covered Immortals um, and people who suppose they live forever, like Count St. Germain and uh, that sort of thing. But really, almost every single show that I've done, I have as a favorite kind of... I know that sounds weird, but... Or cliche almost. I totally get it. (laughs) But it's like, I pour my heart and soul into these shows. I will sit there for hours upon hours, sometimes, I mean, like days, you know, and just go over the material and study, study, study. And then, you know, uh, compare that with other material to make sure what I'm talking about is correct. And if I make a mistake, I address it on the next show. So I'm always consistent with the information and keep up to, to what needs to be
0: talked about. So, so, I mean, you just kind of hit on a podcast of that type obviously takes research I have to guess that this was a personal area of interest before you decided to step in front of a microphone and talk about it.
1: Uh, yes, sir. I have been in uh, into this paranormal aspect since whew, I was probably six, and I'm 40 years old now, so 34 years I've really been <laughs> into it. So, yeah.
0: No, I, I get that. I, I grew up uh, obsessed with, you know, Bigfoot. And I mean, I guess now it would be referred to as, you know, cryptids and such yes, sir. Uh, that language didn't really exist when I, we were that age. But, no, it uh, did not. <laughs> um Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was obsessed with UFOs and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's, I totally understand growing up with that passion.
1: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, Especially when, you know, as I got older and I found other people, because when we were young, People weren't really into it and nobody really talked about it as much. It was sort of like that hushed back room talk like, yeah, I saw something once, but don't tell anybody because they'll think I'm crazy. And nowadays right. everybody can talk about it and nobody thinks that they're crazy.
0: I, I find that it seems to be that way with most geek culture things, you know, that, that I mean, right. like all the stuff that I was into growing up whether it was you know the bizarre the unexplained kind of like you're talking about whether it was like dungeons and dragons or or that kind of stuff all of that kind of stuff that you kind of just kept to yourself because it was just fodder for bullies and now it's it's mainstream
1: very much so it is it's it's like night and day you know when we were growing up it was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You saw something. Next topic. Nobody delved into it. Nobody really sat down. And, and I mean, when the X-Files came up, people were like, oh, yeah, aliens. But still nobody would sit in a room and be like, so, yeah, I saw something the other night. Because if you did, people were like, well, get him ready for the crazy house, because that's where he is going as soon as we're done talking
0: about. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So so I have to ask, because this one popped up on my uh, news feed a a couple of days ago. Uh, Not the the movie I'm going to reference, but the the, uh, follow up. Uh, Have you ever seen uh, Fire in the Sky?
1: Uh, Yes. Travis Walton's story. yes, Yes, I've seen it. It's very... For its time, it was horrifying. I saw it yeah. years ago, and it's it kind of like, I had to look over my shoulder. When I went to bed at night, I was like, better not. I'll get up and start swinging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I just was made aware that there's a, a documentary called Travis, the Travis mm-hmm. Walton story, which I haven't gotten to check out yet. But uh, that, that movie's been on my mind lately for some reason.
1: Yeah, it's, it's for its time. It was, it was very scary. It was a very, like, really horrifying thing to see, to watch for the, you know for its time.
0: Yeah. I loved it. So what kind of a movie guy are you? Switching gears more to the the movie podcast that this is.
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, I tend to dwell in the science fiction realm of film. Uh, I grew up, my, my father, I was watching, I remember watching Robocop when I was younger and like Terminator 1, Robocop, T2, Predator, Alien, Aliens, all of these sort of movies help shape my film interests. Like I
0: love a good science fiction story. Okay. So I have to ask, cause this has almost become a running bit on the show. How young were you when you saw RoboCop?
1: <laughs> Let's see. I was, oh man, if I can remember when the movie came out, I know it was in the nineties. I was probably, I'm going to say eight or nine
0: when the movie oh came God.
1: out. Yeah, I was young. I was young. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: this this seems to be my my uh, common guest theme is we were all too young to have <laughs> seen RoboCop when we did. But, you
1: know, at, at the same time, it didn't, you know, it didn't make me turn out anyway. And I, you know, there's some seeds that I won't mention, but we all know what I'm talking about. Yes. But, uh, but I liked my favorite part of the movie was Ed 209. I was just like, that thing <sighs> is awesome. And I ended up getting one for Christmas. It, that's how much I loved it. I love that Ed two hundred nine thing. I wish I still had it. Oh, I wish I still had it
0: one day. <laughs> one day. So you mentioned a lot of like very iconic action, but also genre films. It, it, that so that's kind of your thing. Yeah, I mean I, I like a
1: good movie in general, but more so if it has to do with space or planet exploration. And it doesn't always have to be like action or horror. It can just be a good science fiction film. Um, I, I just enjoy pretty much like Logan's run is a really good science fiction movie. Um, any of those, know, but
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, at the part where they, where they go to, uh, I think it's called reclamation day where they all die at 30. And yep. you like, you see the people flying. You can literally, my mom, I remember I was watching. I was like, you know, you can see the strings. I was like, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's cool looking for, for its time of being in like the seventies. I think, I think it was like seventies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So movies like, terminator predator robocop those that you mentioned i i almost feel like those belong to that category of they don't make movies like that anymore um and i mean they've they've remade robocop obviously yeah. and I, I, the the remake wasn't bad it wasn't but it horrible. wasn't robocop no it was not um
1: i have to agree with you they don't make movies like that anymore they really do not they they really go on this grand scale of either over the top avengers um mm-hmm. which which I don't mind. I like the Avengers. I like a good comic book movie. Or they go to serious drama with it and they make it like uh The Fountain. Um Darren Aronofsky directed. Oh, yeah. Which I which I loathe. That's the one movie I
0: loathe is that movie. Really? Yes. All right, so want... we're talking about the fountain today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. So we're ta- so your favorite movie <laughs> and you love it. I actually love to talk about on this show, but I-, I would have to rewatch it another half dozen times or so before I felt even closely qualified to talk about it on a podcast.
1: I'm not a Darren Aronofsky fan. I don't like his movies. It's like, I can't explain it to you, but like Mother, I don't know if you saw that with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh That was just a, that was a mess, but we're not here to talk about that.
0: (laughs) I walked out of the theater on Mother saying, and I I think I I specifically texted someone and said, I don't know what I just saw, (laughs) but I think I liked it. And it, it took me several days of digesting that film to even start to come up with an idea of what the hell Aronofsky was saying. Right.
1: Um, I think one of his, his earlier movies, um, Requiem for a Dream, Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first Darren Aronofsky movie I saw. And it, it was disturbing to say the least. Like it was a very just, it was, it was so real to the point to where it was almost make believe. Right. Um, because of the sheer amount of depression.
0: You know what I mean? That's one of my embarrassing, I haven't seen that movie yet. That's okay. I'm happy um, for you, actually. It's been on my list for, for a long time, and I just keep not seeing it, and I need to fix that. I would give it one watch through. I've only seen it once, and I won't watch it again. It's
1: just, I'm the type of person when I go into a movie, I don't want to leave depressed. Like, I'm, I'm going in the movie to escape reality, so to speak. And there's enough crazy things going on in our world. And I don't even mean today. I mean even when the time when the movie came out. That when I go see something, I want to just kind of, at least for like an hour, two hours, hour and a half, two hours, I can like be that character. And there was no character in that right. movie I wanted to be. <laughs> no
0: <more>. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so the, the concept of the show is have not seen this. Movies were surprised when other people have not seen. What are your have not seen this movies? What are movies people give you a hard time over not having seen? That's really
1: tough because I've seen a lot of those movies that people say to watch. Um, I would say like the more blockbuster movies, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the one. It was like moonlight something. It got a cat. It got, it got a uh, picture of the year. Um, I really can't. Oh, just moonlight. It's yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Moonlight. yeah. That one I've never seen gone with the wind. If we're going to take it back. Um, <laughs>
0: that one comes up on here more often than I thought
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, my, my, my mom and dad, they, they like some of the older movies. And to me, the older movies are are good. I like them and they have a place in cinematic history, but some of them I just can't do like gone with the wind for me is boring. I I can't get into that whole, that whole time period. So like period piece movies, a lot of the time I get bored watching. I'm just like, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I haven't seen, I'm trying to think, I don't like a lot of the slasher horror films. So like a lot of people like, did you see that Rob Zombie Halloween movie for like 10 minutes? And I got up out of the theater and walked out. It was that bad. I was just like, (laughs) I'm done, you know?
0: So (laughs) I, 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 uh, I didn't get to walk out of the theater. I did watch the whole thing and I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like
1: the, the, the original Halloween was cool. Like the first one was really good for what it was. Um, just like the first farted 13th. I really liked because it, it's not Jason. It's his mother. And I was like, that's kind of a cool little twist to do for a horror film. But to me, like slash flicks are all kind of the same. They all do the same thing. It's just uh, an unstoppable force that ends up killing people until they finally find a way to stop it. But then it
0: ends up coming back for 600 more sequels. There's an irony that that's your complaint, given the movie that you've picked mm-hmm. today. And I guess that's a, a good transition to talk <laughs> about that. Um, right. So we are talking today about I Come in Peace, a.k.a. Dark Angel. Yes, from 1990, directed by Craig R. Baxley, written by Jonathan Tidor and David Kep uh, under the pseudonym Leonard Moss Jr., uh, starring Dolph Lundgren, Brian Benben, Betsy Brantley, Matthias Hughes, and Jay Bylus.
2: well-armed men have their throats cut before they can even draw their weapons who could possibly move that fast i'm coming peace you think the weapons are cute yes i do it's
0: like turning your radio dial to k-i-l-l Get
2: down
1: i'm coming peace
0: All right, so how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell them on seeing this movie?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. Um, So basically, it's about an alien that comes to Earth to steal people's adrenaline so they can sell it as drugs on their home planet. That's exactly how I would explain it, because that's exactly the premise of the movie itself.
0: (laughs) Right. Blarcy, I think it's called in the film at one point. Apparently, that's the name of this adrenaline drug. Okay. So out of all the movies out there, and you listed like some classics, you know, Terminator, Predator, Robocop, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Why choose this one?
1: I like a good science fiction premise. And I felt like Terminator, Alien, Aliens, Predator, everybody knows those movies. Everybody has seen them. Everybody knows Get to the Choppers, you know, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> and um, everybody knows like how good those movies are. But... I really love the B science fiction movies because they have great stories and they're not known as well, you know. Because, like I, you know, I could have picked the uh, the uh, the Roddy Piper film, They Live, another great uh-huh. uh, B science fiction movie, but this one, and and I'll admit I am a little bit biased because my my father had been telling me you got to see this movie if you can never find it, watch it. So, uh, thankful for eBay, I found a copy, a VHS copy, and I was like, I am going to buy it. And, you know, it was, it was like five six bucks. I bought it. I watched it, and I'm like, I love this movie. I love the premise. Yeah, the acting is straight 90s. Like, if you watch this movie and you were raised in the 90s, you'll get exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Don't don't watch it in front of kids. I'll say that not because it's like over the top with nudity, but the language is just bananas.
0: (laughs) Well, it's it's funny you say that because I sat down to watch this last night, and I, I I watched like half an hour of it and felt like it felt very comfortable specifically for what you just said. Like if you know, a nineties late eighties action film, that's what this feels yes. like. And then when it got to the part where the alien downs, the one dude and the thing comes out of his palm to, to inject or not his palm, but under his his hand to inject the, the heroin in him. And listeners will explain all of this in a little more yeah, detail yeah, yeah. in a minute. Um, when that happened, I went, holy shit, I've seen this movie. I actually have seen this movie before. That's awesome. (laughs) But it took half an hour or 40 minutes for me to get to the point where I went, oh, I have seen this before. And it's kind of a very similar situation to what you just said. My stepfather turned me on to this movie. And I specifically remember him describing the process like as a selling point of this alien who uh, injects his victims with heroin and then... Takes out the adrenaline surge that comes from that, the the um, endorphin surge that comes f- with that fix, yeah. and that's the drug that he sells. Yeah. And so it was like, oh wow, I have seen this. So it feels that '90s comfort, but it almost is. I hate to say, and I'm certainly not trying to be critical, of no, film, no but it, it's almost forgettable. In that, I didn't even remember I had
1: seen right. it. And I think when I think the reason that happened is because you have those blockbuster films like Terminator, like Predator. And I also think too, that the science fiction genre isn't, it's not something that everybody loves. I think one of the last good movies that got nominated for uh, uh picture of the year was Arrival. And I loved Arrival. I thought it was oh such a good God. movie. Just
0: a really, there's an underappreciated
1: gem. Right. Like I agree. 100%. But I don't think that people have that love affair with science fiction. Like I have that love affair because I've always been one to look at the stars and space travel. And I watched Elon Musk's rocket going to go, you know, go into space. And I'd love that. So for me, that's it's it just gets me that science fiction fix. But I think for the most part, people don't really care for science fiction films as much as they do, say, like Moonlight or one of the many other films that seems to get it every
0: year. Right. No, no, I agree. I mean, especially as far as Oscar fair goes, they they turn their nose up at genre a lot. Uh, I mean, there have been some excellent genre films in the last decade that went completely unrecognized by the Academy. And I think that's part of why there's been this increasing surge of people kind of against the Academy because of how political and a, a game it is as opposed to actually identifying the best films of the year. Right,
1: and a lot of time too, it's just a place where everybody can go pat themselves on the back because at the end of the day, that's what award shows are because who cares if somebody says, this is movie of the year. Movie of the year is the movie you watched and you liked the best. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I don't care if if, if nobody would like this movie. I love it. And to me, that's what matters. And I think that's what should matter to, in movies is if did
0: you like it? If you liked it, then who cares what everybody else thinks? Well, well said. So you, you sought this out because your dad recommended it yeah, to they're... you. How old do you think you were when you, uh, when you saw it?
1: So my dad had been talking about this movie for well on, I want to say I was a teenager when, when he started talking about it. Because me and my dad have that in common. We both like good science fiction movies um, and just be science fiction movies. And he was telling me about it. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So it wasn't until I want to say like 2005 or six, Mm -hmm. um, right around when I really was like getting into eBay. And I'm like, oh my God, I can buy anything I want. I've ever wanted in my life, I can buy it on eBay. And I was like, what was that movie? And so I, you know, started looking up movie (laughs) names. And then I saw the VHS tape and I'm like, I'm buying it. And I ended up buying it. And that's, that's, so I was probably, I want to say I was 24 or 25 when I actually bought the movie, roughly gotcha. I'm 40, 40 now. So there you go.
0: Yeah. I was a bit younger. I mean, I had to have been a bit younger when my stepdad introduced me to it. So uh, that, that also helps explain part of why I didn't necessarily remember it because there's, there's been a longer amount of time since I originally saw it. Um, I did mention in the writer's. Um, that it was Jonathan Tider and David Kep, and I, I want to mention that Kep part because if you recognize that name or if you don't recognize that name, this is a a list writer. He is best known for Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, uh, Spider Man, but on the other side, he's also responsible for the script for the 2017 The Mummy. And Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. So, so I was going to ask, which side of that coin do you think this movie falls on? But right, you, right. you obviously don't like Crystal Skull.
1: Um, that was the only movie I've ever fallen asleep in the theater watching because oh, wow. Indiana Jones to me doesn't involve aliens. Like I don't. When I watch Indiana Jones, and as a as a lover of history and things like that, I was like, you know, the Crystal Skull aspect is a cool aspect because that's a real thing. But it got to be too much, and then Shia LaBeouf's in it. And I'm like, well, are you going to fight Transformers in this movie, too? And <laughs> it, was, it didn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. You know, like, to me, my personal favorite Indiana Jones movie is uh, The Last Crusade. they will always be more right. favorite. Always. Because oh, yeah. Sean, you know, Sean Connery, you got Harrison Ford. But, you know, every I think every writer's allotted uh, a few bad movies or bad books, whatever, what have you. Um, I never saw The Mummy and part of me's like because it's tom cruise and i'm like i don't know if i really want to watch another tom cruise movie cuz he's kind of the, the same actor in most of his movies i would say i totally agree yes but i i i heard that the premise was actually pretty good so if i'm not doing
0: something one day i might just sit down and watch it <laughs> oh so there's a laugh like good luck <laughs> yeah, i haven't seen it i watched the trailer and went yeah that's that's enough cuz i loved the brendan fraser Mummy movies. Yes. Yes. Uh, those were just very uh, kind of along the same lines as the Indiana Jones. Like that felt that had that, that same yes. spelunking archaeology esque adventure, you know, uh, the old, it's old serial adventures. And I just don't yes. see Tom Cruise fitting into that dynamic because no. he's Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right. Let's move back to uh, uh, I, I Come in Peace, though. This one was, has not been very well received. It sits at 31% at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I always pull in a positive and negative review, just kind of hit on some things maybe we want to talk about, maybe we don't. I'm going to start with the negative review. This comes from Karen James of the New York Times, who writes, this story turns out to be much more mundane than its outrageously clever premise. Like Columbo, a Houston detective played by Dolph Lundgren stumbles around trying to solve the murder the audience has already seen. Unlike Columbo's, his signature is a karate kick. He is saddled with an officious FBI agent as his partner. Try explaining drug-dealing aliens to him and many predictable plot devices. He is avenging the death of his old partner. His girlfriend says he ignores her. Of course, she's awfully busy with her own job as the country coroner, but can you blame her for wanting a life in between autopsies on endorphin-drained bodies? (laughs) The positive review comes from Richard Harrington of The Washington Post, and he says, The plot is a convoluted mix of Liquid Sky, Alien Nation, The Hidden, and Terminator— but peace is much more subtle construction of influences than the recent hardware. Matthias Hughes is sufficiently menacing as the alien drug dealer with a penchant for extracting endorphins from his victims brains after shooting their hearts full of pure heroin. He also has a nasty razor thin razor sharp weapon that resembles a CD compact death. It goes for the jugular every time this film, unfortunately too often settles for going for the jocular. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um <laughs> the, the thing is, like, with when it comes to to be science fiction films, I, I love them because of what they are. I know they're probably not going to get the best reviews, um, but but I, I enjoy them for what they are. And you know, the first review, uh, it, it, she's she's kind of accurate in a sense that, like, you know, it, it, you get in the karate kick, but at the same time, she has to remember this is a '90s film, like right. '90s films action or science fiction they had martial arts murder guns romance cursing and <laughs> nudity that's the 90s man like drugs that's the 90s you know that's and I, I think a lot of times when people review movies they they don't have that 90s mentality of reviewing it because right. you know and even even though i didn't well see this until 2000 I grew up in the '90s, so like watching them, like, oh my god, this is my childhood.
0: Well, as I said, it has that very familiar, almost comfortable feel of a '90s action film.
1: Right, right. And you know, whenever whenever I read reviews like on different movies and stuff or games or whatever, I'm like, okay, but will I like it? You know, like, will it fit? Will it make my palate taste better? You know, will it make me feel better? And this movie just did. It's just, I really
0: enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I it is fun. It is not a brilliant film. I think you you capture it. I think you you hit it the best way to present this, which is a B movie. Yes. And if you accept it as a B movie with the shortcomings that come with being a B movie, that that sets your expectations at the right level to really enjoy this film, right. as opposed to look down upon it for not being an A movie. And the thing
1: is, we could, you know... People are like, yeah, yeah,
0: Predator or Terminator.
1: But here's the thing about, about those two films. The first Terminator, which is my favorite, Arnold doesn't talk much. And it's not because Arnold doesn't talk much, but it's a darker film. It's gritty. It's grimy. The first Predator wasn't the best acted film. But it's just over-the-top machismo. It's bullet. <laughs> it's blood. It's guns. It's everything in an action film with that science fiction twist. You know... These aren't movies that are gonna gain any like picture of the year Oscar nominations or Oscars, but that's why I like them. Because it's just it appeals to the basic human, I think, desires in all of us to just see that kind of craziness and and you know, your honor would be like stick around as he's throwing a knife into somebody. Like <laughs> it you know? still cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, I, I love these movies for what they are, not because I expect the most brilliant writing out of anybody on these, but I love the stories that they tell. And I think while people might not think they're brilliant, I think the way it's written is very well done in a science
0: fiction setting. No. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I I think what threw me with this one, as far as when I first sat down to rewatch it yesterday is the first 10 minutes are like, a barrage of just about every late eighties cliche <laughs> scene that you can get. Yeah. You have an alien land. You have a heist of a, a police evidence room. You have a drug deal going on. You have a robbery going on. And I'm sitting here uh, 10 minutes in going, how the hell is all of this connected? Right. And to their credit, they pull it off. Yes. Don't forget the explosion. They have the. You gotta have at least
1: an '80s explosion when the ship crashed and then the the building blows up. Everyone,
0: all those movies have explosions. <laughs> the explosions in this movie are exquisite. Uh, I specifically noted later on when the alien, the good alien and the bad alien, who don't get names in the movie, we just know them as good alien and bad alien. Mm-hmm. When the good alien is pursuing the bad alien, and they're running through the garage, shooting these super-powered firearms, and just everything is blowing up, and it's like a line of cars blowing as the bad alien runs away from them, and I was sitting here going, "I could use some popcorn right about now," because right. this is just delicious to watch.
1: Right now, looking it up, it looks like it says that uh, Matthias was known as Talik, so the the yes. bad Talek and then Jay Bylus as Azek. So, and yeah. he speaks fluent in English. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah.
0: yeah. There's that sudden moment when they encounter each other and he can speak English. Right. I, I don't right. understand that. But again, I don't question it. So. Right. You
1: can't. Because listen, if you start questioning these 80s science fiction B movies, you might as well go back and start questioning the 1950s B movies that are right. Re- way 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 worse in terms of story (laughs) and and things than these are at least in my opinion
0: no yeah i mean the well, the fifties are go back to, and they've even made fun of it in a couple of of more contemporary B movies. Uh, You know, back then it was the scientists were doing science, right? With the, zzzz. yeah, I mean, it was it was just all science, all the it. kind of no, no, there wasn't. It was science, it was science, just like Levers and and these
1: like those, uh they look like graph paper, but it was like a it was like a how oh, it was like an EKG machine, and there was like just a line that was going through. I'm right. sure like, somebody out there, there's a scientist knows what I'm saying, but. Apologies. I'm not fluent in a lot of that stuff, so.
0: <laughs> so Dolph Lundgren uh, is our our star of this movie. Yes, in his prime, I'm more used to seeing him now when he's done stuff like The Expendables and is mm-hmm. looking a little older. And I was surprised because this comes on the heels of The Punisher, which came out the year before. Yep, I was surprised at how articulate and clear he is in this movie as far as speaking goes. Well, he, I believe he has two. I want to say doctorates, but I
1: could be wrong. But I know that he's college educated. He's a very smart individual. And I've always liked Dolph Lundgren. I, I like, in terms of just a good guy to cast in a science fiction film or Ivan Drago, who he was a beast, is Ivan Drago. Like, I'd like. When I was when I saw Rocky four, I was like, this dude is gonna literally kill Rocky. Like he's gonna kill him. <laughs>
0: Two thousand PSI. Two thousand PSI must break you. And I was like, oh get him. I always root for the villains. I know. I'm a horrible person. (laughs) Well, I think it's more just the other movies I've seen him in. He always was like there was an accent or maybe he just was he wasn't even given the best dialogue. But, you know, I I just was surprised at how clearly spoken. And again, as I said, on the heels of Punisher, he's not all incredibly articulate in Punisher.
1: No. And it's crazy because I I put it up real quick for us. He's got a degree in chemical engineering from the Royal Institute of Technology and a master's degree in chemical engineering from the university of Sydney. I mean, that speaks for itself. Cause I have no idea about
0: chemical engineering. You know what I mean? Like he probably knows what that little lever thing you were talking about a few minutes ago does. <laughs> I, should, I,
1: should, I should email him and say, Dolph, I need to have a quick question. What does that thing <laughs> Dolph? <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's the, I think it's harder to play, a comic book movie. I think playing the comic book movie is one of the hardest two reasons. One, you have to channel that character from the comic books, but you have a director that's on your butt. Like you can't do that. And then you have the fans that are right. even worse. Yes. And I'm guilty of this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm just as guilty <laughs> sometimes, not to the point where I'm going to start emailing them and say, you did a bad job. I'm just like, Oh, they could have, they could have did a bit better job on that.
0: My my son wanted to watch a Fantastic Four movie. Oh. Oh. Um, he's, he's, he's 11. And so it, it had just come to Disney Plus. I put on Fantastic Four for him. We watched it. And then I caught myself after the movie was done. I had done at least 20 minutes on how they screwed up Doom. Oh. He's 11. He doesn't care. He does not care. <laughs> so I'm that guy, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've I've talked to my son about that. Like, my son, he's five. And so I <laughs> I, let, I let him watch uh, the, not Endgame, but the Infinity War. Right, okay. And, and I was like, this is cool, but they don't have Adam Warlock. Where's Mistress Death? <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm ruining the experience for him because I'm putting my own biases in it. Right. But they did a great job with Thanos. I was like this, and the snap, loved it. Loved that. Oh, yeah. But- But like you, like I went on this rant, but like for what? Yeah. If he enjoys it, you know, I agree with you though. They did doom terribly. And the only way they could ever save face is to have a straight up doom movie. They need to have a doom movie. I'd be game for that.
0: I would go to the theater (laughs) and watch it. I would go opening night. (laughs) I love doom. He's one of my favorite villains. So the other note that I made about Lundgren was he essentially has one facial expression for the movie. (laughs) It doesn't matter if he's getting his butt kicked or... I mean, like, and it stood out to me. He goes back to see his girlfriend, his wife. I I don't quite know what the relationship there is between them, the coroner. He goes to visit her and she lets him in and then slaps him. And his facial expression does not change. It's borderline... He's he's borderline annoyed with everybody in that movie, I think. Oh, yeah. That's a good way (laughs) of describing it. Like, in the beginning...
1: Uh, when you first you know see his character and he's sitting in the car and he's listening to the to the drug deal going on because the, one of the cops is in there you know undercover and the two guys go in to rob the liquor store whatever that is liquor store convenience store. And he just makes that face like, uh, not again. I'm like, dude, how many things do you deal with daily that you're to the point of just being annoyed and not like concerned?
0: Well, yeah. And it's the same expression and the same level of concern, whether it's a convenience store getting robbed or an alien from another planet. You know, right. It was the same expression.
1: (laughs) But But I think, too, that speaks to his character of like, I mean, at that point, when you when I think when you've when you've worked that line of work and you've probably seen in his role as as that cop, I think when you've seen all there is to see, and you're like, of course there's aliens. Of course. Because I've already been through all this, why not? And like <laughs> at that point, like most of us would be like, oh my God. And like be kind of like, uh, be a
0: little, you know, he's just like, why not? Another day, another day of the job. <laughs> so Boy, I'm just kind of going all over the place. I'm just looking over my notes. So, the movie is titled I Come in Peace, which is the first (laughs) words we hear from the alien once he arrives. Uh, Keeping in mind that his arrival, as you said, is a huge fiery explosion of this poor schmuck's car. (laughs) And he comes out. (laughs) $70,000. He he comes. And I love that. The the dude, first of all, his CD player was was acting buggy. And then his entire car gets totaled. And to throw the little nice little insult to injury in there, they have the CD land from the flaming wreckage right next to him.
1: (laughs) Brilliant piece of of B-movie science fiction. It's like, a kick in the pants, and then of course the expletives that flow throughout that scene is
0: just yes, Merry Mother Christmas. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's nineties right there. But then the alien appears, and the first thing he says is, "I come in peace," mm-hmm. and then that that ends the scene like right there. We don't know what happens yep. next. And then the next time we see the alien is when he uh, inter intercedes with the drug deal that Lundgren is supposed to be monitoring. Um, mm-hmm. and again, he says, I come in peace. And then he takes out that disc that he has that killer disc that then slashes everybody. And I'm like, I don't think, you know, what that phrase means.
1: Right. <laughs> and, and I think that maybe, you know, he sits at home and watches old eighties B movies. You <laughs> <laughs> well, watch the old B movies.
0: And that's what I was going to ask you is the movie never makes any attempt to explain why that's what this alien is saying.
1: I think it's more like to be inferred. Because I think the, the, the that was like a really famous quote in a lot of movies, like I Come in Peace. You know, if you're an alien, I come in peace, I come in peace, I come in peace. And I think that it was more used as maybe like somewhat of a homage to those older, um, like The Day the Earth Stood Still. Right. Or those old movies. So, like, they didn't really have to explain it, To in my opinion. I'm sure somebody that's a better film analyst. I'm like, well, you see here, this is what happens. And this, that, and the third. And I'm just like some schmuck that just loves this movie. See,
0: I'm going to fight you on that right there because you just undermined your own argument. You made the comment, not 10 minutes ago, that the best movie is what you think is the best movie. And now you're undermining your value as a film critic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look at it like this. Like I can, I can review this, but I don't watch a lot of movies that film critics watch. So for, right. for me, it's like, I can review this one and love it, but I'm going to put my biases in it. You know what I mean?
0: But there's nothing wrong with that.
1: No, no. And you're right. And I think a lot of time with film critics, they have to be like, I want to say less biased than I would be. And yeah. that's why I would be a poor film critic. If they, they could never put me on like a, like a Cisco a and Ebert level, you know, Ebert level. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I saw this movie. And I give it thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, oh,
0: but one of the things that we do on this show, um regular listeners know how often we pull up. Like I love using Ebert quotes. He did not review this movie, or we would have an Ebert quote nice. in our our quotes. And how often Ebert was wrong, or would go back and correct himself. Uh, I, I, so I, I I almost disagree with you on that. I, I think I I think you're undermining the value of your opinion because you like this movie, flaws and all. I do, I do.
1: <laughs> I'll admit it, I love it. Flaws and all. And it's really, I, I think it really speaks to the more hardcore critics out there because there was a lot of them when the first Avengers movie came out and they just mm-hmm. tore it to pieces. You know, they, they shredded it from one street to the next. And I think you're always going to have that. And I hope that a lot of critics sit in the middle. Like the two reviews you did, they mm-hmm. weren't like horrible. Like I've read some horrible reviews on movies. And even the first lady who who negatively reviewed it, it wasn't as sharp as I thought it was going to be <laughs> because, you know, obviously it's it's a B movie and, you know, uh, a lot of people might not think it aged well or somebody that's watching it today, you know, and and like we said, may, may not have grown up in the 90s, might have a harsher review, but her review was actually not as bad because you were like, I got a negative view and a positive, I was like,
0: oh, the negative is going to be just... It's going to be crazy, but. Well, and the thing is that she's not wrong. It does have predictable plot lines. You know, the avenging the, the partner was very much a trope of the time. The, the girlfriend flawed relationship. I mean, and you, right. you look at, I mean, that, that, those were very common in this kind of movie back then. So it makes sense that it builds on them. So she's not wrong. And, you know, it's, it's a product of the time. Like we said, you know,
1: there's there's a bunch of movies like that that had the estranged couple that, through a crazy circumstance, all you know, Independence Day is a prime example of that. It was uh, Jeff Goldblum and his, and his, I think, ex-wife. I don't know if they're ex-wife or whatever. But aliens come, now they're back together again.
0: I think it's funny because you said Independence Day, and I'm sitting there going, Will Smith was dating a stripper. He was happy in that. Oh, mm. Jeff Goldblum, yeah, yeah you're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it was just a thing of the times and like you said like the the you know the oh i'm not taking on a new partner my partner just died and i gotta seek revenge for my dead partner and that was a really big thing with cop movies back then because it's so easy to do you know what i mean like okay your partner's dead and you're gonna get a new partner. you guys aren't gonna get along until the end then you guys are best friends all of a sudden right right
2: Hi, this is Edward October for OctoberPodVHS.com. Here to tell you what people are saying about our true crime podcast. A thread store in Arizona says, Too much dribble and slang. These ladies obviously enjoy their own humor and sound high. Hey, at least they called you ladies. Benny from Idaho says, Your topics are so appealing, but a three-person pod is difficult enough to follow without banter? Um, our true crime podcast only has two people wait 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 wait. where's the other 100 five star reviews can somebody give me the five star reviews okay here we go much better luscious lee says stand up five stars you girls are funny af i especially love the me and mrs jones rendition you sneak into the recording cherry g 107 says i struggle finding a new podcast and so far i've been hooked to you guys podcasts keep up the good work thumbs up thumbs up smiley face Our true crime podcast, two girls, one story, and lots of bad renditions of songs you love. Available on your favorite podcatcher. Go binge it today.
0: All right, so I'm going to bring up some negative and some positive aspects of the film for discussion. Um, And I'm going to start with a positive one, which, again, is very iconic 80s, early 90s type thing which are some of the one-liners that this movie gets. <laughs> just, just some of the ones that I, I wrote down. He, does the, the, he gets ticked with his new partner, the FBI agent played by Brian Ben-Ben, and you know, says, that's one. And then later in the movie, a, a, enough time that you actually forgot about that's one, he says, that's two, to which Brian Ben-Ben responds, how many do I get? Um, you know, the the argument over whether, you know, whether they should go with the FBI way or go with uh, <laughs> his character's gut and right. and Brian ben-, ben trying to convince him, I'm a team player, to which Dolph Lundgren says, well, your team sucks. Right. Some, some great little and of course, one of the reviews of the movie that I, I didn't pull said they feel like the title I come in peace was just so they could get that final line in uh, that, that final one liner in about and you go in pieces.
1: Right. Yeah, and and why not? You know. Oh, no, I
0: love it. I no, think I it's great. I agree. I agree.
1: I you know, and and then, you know, the the whole that's one and then you do you forget about it. You're like, okay. I don't know what he's what he means, but I'm pretty sure that something will happen later on. And then you're, and you're like that's two and you're like, "Uh-oh, there's a, something's going to happen." Cuz obviously they're not just going to go that's one, that's two and then just nothing comes out of that. Then you'd be like, "Well, where did that go?" And then when the that's three hits that's three and he (laughs) does what he does best (laughs) that's right that's right but once again that was a that's another like trope in those movies you know they always had like the two partners didn't get along at the beginning and maybe it wasn't uh a fist to the face maybe it was like a shoving match maybe it was a heated yelling and i'm not gonna be your partner anymore and then you know so on and so forth so you see that a lot in these movies but the one-liners I think are what make, and I think this plays to your point of they don't make movies like this anymore because I don't really
0: know too many movies that have those one-liners like no. they used to. Yeah, no, we've definitely moved away from that. And I have to say, I kind of miss it. Yeah, me too.
1: Cause now I can't quote anything unless it's from like, you know, super troopers or something like that. If it's a comedy, cause comedies a little run a little bit different. But yeah. I can't be like, you know, stick around and get to
0: the choppers and do it. Yeah, You don't have that. anymore. All right. On the negative side, the, the movie opens. It's very clearly set at Christmas. You know, this is following kind of the Die Hard and the Lethal Weapon model of it is a Christmas movie complete with <laughs> opening Christmas Carol. So why on earth is the uh, the one driver that we see listening to Halloween rap?
1: Because it's an 80s B science fiction movie. <laughs> 90s. You know, like that's exactly why. That's yeah. it. To a T. To a T. Yeah. You know, if, if there's anything that I would say like kind of, I don't want to say so much bad, but kind of negative, is I feel like the first up to where you see the alien himself, right? it felt a little bit rushed. It just felt like bam, bam, bam events. But once again, 80s,
0: 90s B science fiction movie. Well, if and, I would... I, and I as I said earlier, there's so much in that first 10 minutes that yeah. I that that's kind of I think what I was saying with that. And we've even seen the alien by that point, but he appears yeah. and then as I said, that scene ends as soon as he says I come in peace and suddenly we're on to the next thing. Right. And yeah, I I totally agree that I think the first part is rushed. I
1: think if they did it today, they could do it a little bit different. I would love to see the film remade, but I I would I would want somebody to do it that could do it justice. I wouldn't want just some but that doesn't do science fiction. I want somebody that's been there, um, right. and it was like Total Recall. I love the first Total Recall with Arnold, but and I'm probably going to get some hate for this. I loved the second Total Recall movie with uh, I think it was Colin Farrell that was in it. Yeah, Colin Farrell. I enjoyed this the remake, so I, I I'm not you're not alone in that. I, I feel like I'm alone because every time I tell people they're like, oh, it didn't have this or that, and I'm like, no, because it's more dystopian. It's more science fiction it's more like philip k dick's book meant it to be
0: well and that's exactly case. what i was going to say is the original wasn't true to philip k dick's story either so what does it matter
1: right and I, I think that they could do that with this movie if they remade it in my yeah. opinion
0: um so you realize if they remade it it would be cast with someone like vin diesel or the rock playing the cane <laughs> part right <laughs> Uh yeah.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> or, I, I don't know who it was, but the guy that was in and, and this is this goes back to Dolph Lundgren. His son in the uh in the Creed 2 movie. Uh-huh. That would be an interesting pick for one of those characters. Huh. For maybe to play the cop. Because I don't want another Rock Vin Diesel movie. I did like uh Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick, though. I liked the that whole universe. But I don't want to see like another Fast and Furious movie, but with an alien that shoots heroin to people and takes their endorphins, or you know, takes their adrenaline. I don't want to see that. I want to see something that's that's more along the lines of like I said, Total Recall, where it's kind of like more gritty, more grimy. I don't want it to be over the top with the Michael Bay explosions. Right. You know, I mean, that movie, like you said, they did the explosions fantastic, but it was a product of the time. That's why. I don't want over the top, like, oh, I'm going to jump my car over the Brooklyn Bridge, and then the bridge explodes, and then New York explodes, and the world explodes. Like, <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, Michael. Relax. Take a nap. Have a seat or something. Stop blowing everything up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, that was one of my criticisms of, I think it was the second Transformers movie, um, was that by the time the movie ended, I was so desensitized to all of the explosions that I just didn't care anymore. Right. And by comparison, this, this movie has a lot of explosions in it, but they're fun and they, they're not so much that it's like, oh, there's another explosion.
1: Right. Like, you know that something's going to happen when he drops that briefcase going up steps from the and You're like, okay, I think I know what that is. Yes. And then explosion. you're like, oh. And like you said, it wasn't so over the top. It was just like, it exploded. They all laughed in the car. You're like, oh yeah, these guys are some scumbags. Like, you know that they're scumbag people. And I think with, with the explosions in this movie, it, set the, it kind of set the stage for the characters as to where in Michael Bay's Transformers movies, it doesn't do anything. It's just explosions for explosion's sake, and that doesn't really do anything. I mean, for me, right? I'm I'm
0: a fan of the '85 Transformers cartoon movie. Like that's my favorite.
1: So there, that is
0: which I have never seen, and someone has picked as an upcoming film for the podcast. So I'll have to be. Re- I am going to listen to that 100 percent because I love that movie too. I can quote it. That's how much I love that movie. I, I have never. I was not a Transformers kid, so I've never seen it. <laughs> the fact that it to me, the
1: fact that it has uh, Orson Welles, uh, Leonard Nimoy, you know Robert Stack. All these legendary actors, um, you know, that was another one I saw. And I saw that in 85 when it came out.
0: <laughs> All right. Speaking of iconic actors, this one has a few besides Lundgren. A couple of two that stood out to me, just character actors from that era. Uh, Michael J. Pollard plays mm-hmm. uh, Boner, the, the guy that he goes to get the information from that he ends up holding his gun to his crotch. Boner, <laughs> and well, that's his character's name is Boner. But that actor has sure. been in a ton of things, including like Scrooge, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I recognize him. Uh, Sam Anderson plays Warren, the second, the kind of the the, the second to the big bad guy drug dealer, the like the underboss. Yes, the under. That's a good way of putting it. Um, which the, the the that plot line almost gets lost in this movie. Yeah, like the yeah it, the mob boss we know I, has I gone agree. off to Rio and taunts him sends him a letter like that's how big of an ass he is he sends him a picture uh telling him where he is because he can't get to him right and then suddenly aliens come and it's like oh that's not really that important anymore
1: (laughs) yeah i've noticed that in a lot of like the the science fiction b movie uh genre that there'll be like different little plots that you almost kind of forget about and then they'll like kind of quick end them like, you know, with the picture, and you'll be like, oh, okay. I kind of wanted to see that flushed out more. But, you know, once again, <laughs> it's to- and And obviously, you know, they, if they would have done that, then they would have had probably another like
0: hour to the movie. And well, they, I, I think they know. handle it the best way they can, which yeah. is, you know, they, they keep joking about Kane having to go on vacation. Instead of being suspended, they keep saying, oh, you're on vacation. Your vacation starts now. <laughs> and. <laughs> The end of the movie, not to, to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but that's that's kind of the last lines is, you know, they defeat the alien. He's going to go on vacation. Rio sounds nice. And so the the the, the implication there is he's going after the mob boss now.
1: Right. And but we didn't get an icon come in peace, too. So,
0: no, apparently there's been work on it here or there. Um, there's been pushes for it. There's been a script written for it. Um, but there's some rights issues as well.
1: Yeah, um and, and I think one thing uh because I would love to see either a a remake or a sequel but the one thing I think was cool that that uh we 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 kind of missed was that the music was by Jan Hammer. Yes. Now, if anybody knows who Jan Hammer is, that's the Miami yes. Vice guy. And so uh, you know, uh, I I hear that music and I'm like, "Man, and I have one of his albums like vinyl. Because I enjoyed Jan Hammer's music, and I thought that was cool. That they, like you said, they got some heavy hitters for this for this yeah. B movie. They really got some good heavy hitters for this one.
0: Yeah. Well, and Brian Ben Ben, you know, is the supporting actor, but he's he probably wasn't much of anybody when he filmed this. But 1990, his his star starts to rise with uh, Dream On on HBO, and he really right. shows his com- comedy chops. And I think those show in this movie too. He just hadn't gotten there yet. You know, if this had come out another a year later, they could have even pitched it on him being in the film.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, it's I didn't know who he was until after the fact. I'm like, I know that guy's Mm -hmm. face. You know, I I know his face from somewhere. And then come to find out, like you said, he was on Dream On and he's actually been in in a couple other different things, oddly enough. Oh yeah. Private practice. He
0: was on that. Just, I don't I don't no. I don't watch that. <laughs> I wouldn't know he'd been on it. But no, no not, I mean I knew he's continued to have a career. It's popular, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Right. All right. What have we not talked about on this that you wanted to that you wanted to chat about? Uh
1: there isn't really anything. I mean, we got to the 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 whole plot, which I thought was cool. That I think that's really what's what makes this movie stand out more so than a lot of other B movies is the plot itself of the the injecting of heroin first into the person to sort of put them in that euphoric state and then to take their adrenaline, right. which for for the intergalactic drug trade, which I was like, that's a cool premise. You know, that isn't something that I've ever seen before or had ever heard before. You know, a lot of times with with science fiction films, you know, like the Terminator, you can kind of say, okay, they kind of did that in Friday the 13th. Because you know, the first Terminator is kind of like a horror right. film, somewhat because he's, you know, he's chasing her down, things like that. Um, and Predator was kind of the same way, it was kind of like this thing is hunting these people, so it's kind of got that. But this one put a new story out there that I'd never heard before because I didn't know that it was a Philip K. Dick book until well after what? the fact, or not Philip K. No, sorry, sorry. I didn't know that, like I said, like I didn't know that uh, that Total Recall was that until after the fact, and then this one. It's just like there's never been a book, there's never been a movie, there's
0: never been anything, and then boom, this plot comes out, and I'm like, "That's, That's amazing. a really good point." I mean, it is an original idea, you know, and and uh, it, it is a little surprising that it hasn't been redeveloped or developed further, you know, as you said with a, with a remake or a sequel. Yeah,
1: because I feel like science fiction, I think is a is a hard genre to pull off a good movie in, and I mean a movie that people can talk about for years years to come, and I think that the plot itself in a lot of science fiction movies is sort of like the same generic sort of plot the, 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 the action's amazing. So that's why we keep loving it. But you have films like alien that was really dark and it was really scary. And it was really creepy, but there was still something hunting in Ripley. And you're like, okay, they did this in predator. They've done this in other movies. And then this one comes out, like I said, and the plot itself is just, wow. <laughs> wow. I don't that same thing. They, I had, I never, you know, they, they turn a man who's almost dead, and they give him all these pieces and parts, and now he's like a vigilante cop almost, like he, he's still a cop, but he's like a vigilante cop sort of, and I'm like, that's a really interesting idea, and so when you have movies like that, you know, even they live with the glasses, I just think that's really ingenious, and I think we need to see more original plots. And less remakes, remasters. And I say that winning a remake of this right. or, or a sequel. But, but I think that we've come to a point to where we're just like, let's just remake Friday the 13th again. Or let's remake A Nightmare on Elm Street, which a buddy of mine hated. He hated the, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: But I love the originality in this movie. I just, I liked it. Awesome. All right. We've got a couple of games before we're done here. Uh, first up is the algorithm says these, this is a list of movies that various algorithms say you will like because you liked, I come in peace. So this is like a lightning round of responses, whether you like the movie, whether you don't like the movie, whether you don't even see how it's connected. Although these are pretty evident as to how they're connected for the most part. All right. So first up the Punisher from 1989, which is the Dolph Lundgren version. Never seen it. Oh, (laughs) never seen it. i saw the
1: other one i saw the one they remade i think in like 2002 yeah i i, I forget his name
0: but yeah i seen that one but i've never seen the dolph lundgren oh you should it's it's not great but it's funny i'll give it a watch um, i don't mind giving it a watch. silent trigger never heard of it me neither so we're gonna move on <laughs> um <laughs> abraxas guardian of the universe never heard of that either (laughs) it's a jesse ventura film which i'm really surprised to see on this list when dolph lundgren's he-man was not on this list
1: (laughs) yeah i was was waiting for the masters of the universe yeah reference at some point but nope yeah i've never seen that one okay Okay. fortress i'm trying is that the one with christopher walken christopher lambert nope haven't seen it. (laughs) and it's funny because i have it i actually have that dvd here somewhere from like
0: old science fiction
1: movies a buddy gave me and i just haven't watched it i, I have that's to the highlander.
0: I, I have to agree with the algorithm if you if you like this movie i think you'll like fortress it, it has a lot yeah. of that same b movie era sensibilities to it
1: and i like the highlander so yeah that's cool yeah. i might
0: check that out all right uh the order i'm trying to figure out is i'm trying to figure because wasn't there two of those one with heath ledger and then the other one yeah this is not the heath ledger one this is the one with jean-claude van damme no, I'm afraid I haven't seen that, but the Heath Ledger one was good. All right. You've not done great on seeing these. I'm going to fix that for you. Here we go. Ready? They Live. Yes. <laughs> love it. it. Love it. Yes. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. Uh, Screamers. Never seen it. Yeah, me neither. Peter Weller. Um, mm. A movie. <laughs> a a move, Yes, exactly. He, he did other movies, too. Uh, a movie <laughs> I definitely was thinking of last night while I was watching this. Predator 2 which also came out in 1990. Uh, I've seen it, but uh, to compare it to the first one, I didn't like it as much, but I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, but you can see the connection. Right, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Priest. Never seen it. Yeah, it's a Paul Bettany flick. And then lastly, Snow White, A Tale of Terror. Never seen it. Yeah, me neither. Sigourney Weaver. So mm. so interesting. I find it an interesting mix because it has a lot of Dolph Lundgren's um, rivals or... Colleagues, how depending on how you want to view it. Uh, you know, you've got Christopher Lambert on there, you've got Jean Claude Van Damme, you've got Peter Weller. It might be a list you want to re- revisit just to, to see if there's a, some, a gem in there or something.
1: Yeah, Fortress sounds good. Like I said, I've got it laying around here somewhere. <laughs> I need to go
0: to my collection and look for it. But if you say I'd like it, I'm going to check it out. I think you would. I think you would. All right, we always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? Oh, this is this ought to be good. All right, all right, let's do this. This, this is high stakes, man, okay? <laughs> all right, number one. The film carried one title through the script phase another title through production and a final title for the U S release, which of the following was not a title associated with this movie? A alien pusher B lethal contact C dark angel or D I come in peace. Ooh, Ooh, ooh. I'm going to say B lethal contact no nope. lethal contact was the oh. name that was associated with it as a script that was the name that you know when it was being written they were using lethal contact it was then being released as dark angel but there were two other movies in the united states that had come out with that title they didn't want it confused with so they changed the name to i come in peace so the answer was alien pusher hmm. all right number two one of the cast has cited this movie as his best filmmaking experience who holds the film in such high esteem a, leading man Dolph Lundgren, B, leading lady Betsy Brantley, C, sidekick Brian Ben-Ben, or D, alien actor Matthias Hughes? I'm going to say D, Matthias Hughes. Yep, absolutely. He says this is the best experience he had as an actor. Nice. All right. Number three, director Craig R. Baxley started his career in the early 70s as a stuntman before moving behind the camera in the mid 80s on what well-known NBC hit show? A Knight Rider, B, the A Team, C, Airwolf, or D Baywatch. Mm.
1: Man, that's tough.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, see that I'm gonna say the A Team. Yep. He directed nine episodes of the A Team in the mid eighties.
1: I love uh uh Mr. T's character, uh BA Barocket. <laughs> right, um, right. My favorite character.
0: All right, last one. Director Craig R. Baxley was slated to direct another alien arrival film prior to this one, which would have seen the alien land in Nevada and a car chase through Vegas. Dolph Lundgren became attached to that film as well after the initial star dropped out. Who was the initial star? A. Jean-Claude Van Damme, B. Christopher Lambert, C. Arnold Schwarzenegger, or D. Jesse Ventura?
1: Ah. Oh. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to go Christopher Lambert. No, I was hoping you uh, would do your
0: impression one more time. It was C. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, it was a whole other movie that Arnold was supposed to star in, and then his, he, he got big and basically you know said, I don't need this movie. I've got these others to do. Was, that, was the movie like during his Conan, like that era of Arnold Schwarzenegger? I, I, th- I think it was Terminator Predator mm-hmm. is when it, it was going mm-hmm. to be, yeah. Was there a name for it? It was called Man to Man. Hmm. It was going to be an action sci-fi comedy. I don't even know how like you could do, like
1: you can have twins like oh there's an alien over here he's my best friend we hang out on the weekends. <laughs> no, I don't know it doesn't make any sense. I, I couldn't see Arnold in the comedy movie well until like the one liners are funny from him but it's not like he's telling jokes if that makes right. sense right. So,
0: all right, man. Uh, you talked a little bit about your podcast at the beginning, but you want to give you uh, promote that talk about where people can find you? So you can find us at
1: www.spreaker.com backslash this uncanny earth. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but I'm never on Twitter because it's just people yelling at each other consistently. I don't really, I'm <laughs> old. I don't really get it, but whatever. Um, this week we'll be talking about lost civilizations and, uh, I encourage people to listen to it. It's a show that you can sit around with your family and listen to it. And that's why I created this uncanny earth, because when I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad, I could talk to them about aliens and, and, uh, and, and the paranormal. And they didn't think I was a weird kid. I mean, I'm a weird kid, but they didn't think I was a weird kid. <laughs> um, but I created it so that families could sit down together and listen to the show and Have conversations about the things on our planet and not just be like a kid stuck to a video game where they're facing the tablet and mom and dad are busy doing whatever they do. I think it's good for the family to sit down and talk about these things because family togetherness is very important. Uh, Just like me and my father talked about, I come in peace. So.
0: Fantastic. I, yeah, I, I, as I told you before we started recording, I forgot to ask you about your podcast ahead of time, but I'm definitely going to check it out, especially because it sounds like something I could listen to with my son. Uh, I think it would yes. be right up both of our alleys. So that's, that's absolutely fantastic, man.
1: The, the only episode that I gave a warning to was the demonic possession episode, because we talked about demonic possession and that one might, kids might be a little more afraid of that. Here's a, here's a fun fact So I saw the exorcist as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of my least favorite movies of all time, just
0: because of how, like I don't, it still gives me chills just thinking about it, but yeah, I've talked about it on the show before, because of the circumstances of how I saw the exorcist, that movie still scares the hell out of me.
1: Yeah. Same here. Still. (laughs) And
0: like, I I know it's
1: soup and you know what I mean? Like it's and all that, but it's
0: terrifying. I will still say
1: that it's terrifying.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a blast. Um, Definitely a movie worth seeing if you haven't checked it out. And uh, I'm glad to get the chance to sit down and chat with you about it.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. It has been nothing but a pleasure. Thank you.
0: So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about I Come in Peace or other 80s B movies, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Tal Hess—that's T that's T A L N H E S S, on Twitter and Letterboxd, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook, where at Have Not Seen This podcast, or email me at Have Not Seen This at gmail.com. And of course, Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our really exciting upcoming episodes. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song and thanks to Robert Solomon for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, and I do mean next week, I'm Rafe Telsch and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.